and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 7 today in the broadcast. Pastor Elliot preaches the connection between God's sovereignty and our repentance. We'll also see how we can know if we are in fact growing closer to Christ. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliot. If you're here and you're struggling with the will of God and you wonder if it's going to be fun or if it's going to be really the best for you, I can tell you it will be the best for you. Do it. Don't waste any time. Do it. Don't have sleepless nights of guilt as a Christian. Do it. All of it. Immediately. You'll never regret it. Verse 4, So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy temple. He's saying, I looked away from your localized presence because remember, at that time in Jewish history, God presenced himself in a temple, not inside Jews. God the Holy Spirit only came to live inside Jews for a task that they were to do, and temporarily he visited Jews. So David was visited by the Holy Spirit when he killed Goliath. Gideon was visited by the Holy Spirit when he led his army against the Midianites. Joshua was visited by the Holy Spirit when he was used as the general to take them through the conquest of Canaan, etc. Esther was visited by the Holy Spirit when she stood up against the Persian king and risked her life to spare the Jewish people. You get the picture. The Holy Spirit only visited believers that were Jewish in the Old Testament, and then he withdrew. It's only after Pentecost that the Spirit of God lives in us permanently. He doesn't visit for the weekend. He lives in us permanently. But back then, Jonah knew that God lived in a temple. And Jonah felt that he had been expelled from God who was living in the temple's view. But really the problem was Jonah had tried to um, exclude his view of God in the temple. But then after he gets in the torrential Uh, currents and breakers and billows of the sea, fearing for his life, he looks back to the temple. He looks back to where he knows God's presence is, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, and he considers God and where God is. Verse 4, so I said I've been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I think he's in the fish by this point. And the weeds that were wrapped around his head in a tempest, they aren't going to be near the surface in a deep ocean, right? If they're anywhere, they're going to be near the bottom of a deep ocean. I think what's going on here is the fish was eating weeds before he had ever swallowed Jonah. There were partially digested weeds in his gut. Jonah gets swallowed, and he's in there with these partially digested weeds that are wrapped around his head. Amazing. Water encompassed me to the point of death. 
The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. He's saying, in this fish, I went so deep, I felt like I was at the base of the mountains that are in the sea. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. Of course, he felt like he was in jail. He's in this fish's stomach. The surf is throwing this fish around. He's descending. He can sense he's going deeper in the water, and he's in a prison. Then he says, but, one of the great words of Scripture, uh, everything swings around with a but, but thou hast brought me up my life from the pit. He's acknowledging again God's sovereign intervention in his life. Thou threw me in the water. Wait a minute. He used sailors. Thou sent the billows. Thou sent the waves. Thou sent the storm. Thou sent the fish. Thou brings the deliverance out of the base of the mountains and the floor of the ocean. God is active in Jonah's life, and God is active in your life. And Jonah started on the road to repentance and obedience by understanding the sovereignty of God. I remember sitting in the front row of David's funeral. He was 19 years old. He was a lifeguard. He was a very strong swimmer, and he drowned in the riptide off Maui. I remember sitting in the front row like that, With my pastor, David had never come to our church, but his mother, through tears, asked my father, who was the funeral director for David's funeral, if we ever would have come to a church, who would have come to your church, do you think you could ask your pastor if he would do David's funeral? If he ever would have come to church, he would have come to my church. I was sitting in the front row. All of the pews were packed with all of the student body of my high school, which is a big high school. The church was packed, standing room only, teachers, administrators, students. I was a pallbearer, so I was in the front pew. And my pastor gave the gospel, the, the good news that Christ has died for sins and arisen. And when we put our trust only in Jesus, we are saved and we are born again and we are forgiven. And of course, my pastor couldn't say that David had done that. Because I didn't know that David had done that. And I didn't know that David had done that because of my life of compromise as a Christian, backslidden Christian, between grades 8 and 12. And so I remember as my pastor preached and I was in the front pew of my best friend's funeral, 19 years old, weeping. I was weeping for David and his mother and his father but I was weeping for my sin. And I said a prayer like this, Lord, I am so sorry for my sin that made my life a terrible example to David. I don't know where he is, Lord, but you know. I am sorry for my sin, and I want to turn from it. And if you could ever use me in any way, I'd be willing to let you. That was my prayer. Verse 7. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're fainting away with health or finances or work situations or church situations or pressures, stresses, problems, whatever they would be. Maybe you are fainting away. You're not in a fish, but you feel like you're fainting away like Jonah did. 
while I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. See, he'd forgotten him. He had to turn again to look at the temple in repentance. He thought he was expelled from God's sight because he was expelling God from his sight, Tarshish, instead of Nineveh. But then he remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to thee, into thy holy temple. Picture it this way. He was on a boat to Tarshish. They pitched him overboard. He got swallowed by a fish. Inside the fish, he figuratively turned and looked to the temple where God is, and he remembered God. And when he remembered God, he did what anybody does who starts to remember God again. He prayed. I had the privilege this morning after church service, there were two people, the one that talked to me, I'd never seen them before, they weren't visitors. And the question the person had for me, how do I know if I'm drawing closer to Christ? I want to grow closer to Christ. How do I know if I actually am? It's a great question. How would you know if you are growing closer to Christ? Could you know? Put another way, how could you know if you are better remembering Christ every moment of every day? What I said to the individual was, you know that you're moving closer to Christ if you have a greater appetite for the Bible. If you have a priority to be in prayer regularly with the Lord. You are growing closer to Christ if you want to be with his people. You're here tonight. You could be doing other things in a beautiful summer night, but you want to be near to Christ and his word, and you want to be near to each other. It's beautiful. Where's the rest of the church? How do you know you're growing closer to Christ? You have a deeper awareness of your own sin. And when you're growing closer to Christ... Sin generally burdens you. When you're growing closer to Christ, you get burdened over the things that burden Jesus. When you're growing closer to Christ, you get joyful over the things that bring Jesus joy. Come here and see the fabulous performance of world-renowned pianist Sam Rotman for free on Saturday, September 10th and Sunday, September 11th. He has given over 2,700 performances in 60 countries and is described as a pianist of no small talent. He possesses a thoroughly prepared technique and his playing is convincing and alive. Come and experience Sam Rotman's profound, expressive, dynamic and exciting concert performances for the first time in the Bahamas on either Saturday, September 10th at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Kirk on Princess Street at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday, September 11th at Calvary Bible Church on Collins Avenue at 6 p.m. Bring your family for a night to remember. For more information, call us at 326-0800. That is 326-0800. And now, today's personal God story. Well, this morning, I'm very pleased to have in our radio studio, Coach Patrick Adderley. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Bahama. It is great to have you here. Um, 
You come highly qualified in athletics in our country, assistant coach of the RC Athletics Club, the Ronald Cartwright Athletics Club, one of the national coaches of the Bahamian uh, track and field team, um, head coach of the NACAC under 23 uh, team, that's North American, Central America, and the Caribbean. You guys recently competed in El Salvador, is that right? That's correct. What kind of results did you have down there? Um, excellent results. Um, the team brought home eight medals. Wow. Um, one gold, two silvers, and five bronze. Um, an excellent performance um, for that team. We can all be proud of that. I think that's the best uh, performance uh, result. That is, that is the best performance that under 23 team has, has ever done. Oh, that's exciting. So uh, the future bodes well for a Bahamian track and field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just in light of, of where God has positioned you as a coach, I thought it would be nice to let you tell a bit of your story in that vein. I'm wondering if you could help our listeners know, uh, when it comes to high-level Bahamian athletes, do you have some that trust the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior? Yes, um, I know of, of some personally, but generally, I, I would say that there are many that, that, that are committed Christian. That's so exciting, and I'm sure they're a, a positive sanctifying influence on the other athletes around them that may not have that relationship with Christ yet. What would you um, say to the question, do you feel free to share a spiritual truth, Bible truth with the athletes that you're coaching? Is that a liberty you feel you have? Um, it is a liberty. Um, and it is one that, you know, that we are blessed to have um, in this country, the mm -hmm. Bahamas. And, and I can share, um, you know, a personal experience that I had with a particular athlete. You know, it was a young lady who um, was a part of our club, and she came to me um, quite shockingly, and she asked me, she said, you know, Coach, having some funny feelings. And I said, what do you mean? Are you, are you sick? Um, you know, are you having some issues with, <laughs> with you know, any part of your body or, or something like that? And she said, no. She said, I, I have this attraction to females. Mm. Um, what... What, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was able to sit down with her and, you know, and first of all, um, you know, calm her down because she was um, kind of um, worked up about it. She was confused. Yes. Um, she didn't know how, you know, it was wrong, the thoughts, or she, she didn't know which way to go. And say, I said, you know, um, I, I, I don't think the thoughts are wrong. I think it is just um, the devil. Um, you know, playing tricks with your mind. And I was able to, to sit her down and, and show her from a biblical perspective how she should behave and how she could control these thoughts and which direction she should go. Mm. And, um, and I'm happy that I, I had that conversation with her then because two years later, she went off to university. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say now that she is now engaged and about to be married. Oh, that's wonderful. She must have really uh, trusted you as her coach and uh, felt you had a moral compass. You know, um, that is the other perplexing thing to me because this particular athlete and I were not very close. Hmm. And that is why when she came to me with it, I was shocked as to, you know, 
why she would come to me. Yeah. Because her, you know, we have two, we had two other coaches and her and the two other closest were way more closer than than she and I was. Mm. But you see, as Christians, we, we radiate, you know, and we, 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 we give off this sweet aroma. Yes. That people can't help but notice, you know, there is a difference in this person. That's outstanding. And that's a great reminder to all of our listeners that you don't have to be situated in the forum of athletics as a coach. But when we live true to the scriptures, filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, we stand out. We stand out. And we have a winsomeness that uh, people who are struggling uh, understand that maybe we could be of assistance to them. Yes, we, we, we exhibit it every day. You just you just need to just stay in the word and practice what you preach. Mm, that's that's key. You have to be an example. <laughs> that's right. Not what you say, but what you do. What you do. <laughs> that's very good. Well, that's a very good story. I appreciate uh, you telling our listeners that, uh, Patrick. Um, what are some of your favorite Bible truths uh, that you are inclined to share with your uh, athletes? One of my um, that's that's always personal to me. The story of David, mm. and um, I always use David um, because you know um, David was one of those um, um, biblical heroes that didn't start out that way. Yes, and I always parallel their lives as athletes to David's because it may be. A long time, and it took David a long time for him to reach the point where he actually ended up. And for a lot of these kids, it, it takes a long time. Um, when you when you talk to them, and you 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 find their the environment that they come from, and and all the adversities that they face, mm-hmm. it's a struggle, and it's even against great adversity that they emerge and be successful in athletics. And so in sharing to them the story of David, a lot of them find hope. They find the courage to continue to come to practice, to to face adversity, but at the end of the day to recognize that Jesus Christ is master of all things. Yes. And, and is he who directs our path. That's beautiful. That segues into another question. Um, I'm a football fan, and you know, here in the Super Bowl, you, sometimes it's, the clock's winding down, and one team's down by two points, and and uh, they're, they're sending their field goal kicking team onto the field, <laughs> and you look on one sideline, and the Christians on the team that the kicking team are praying for the field goal to be good and they put the camera on the other sideline and the Christians on the opposing team are praying for the field goal to be wide and it brings about you know how does that work in your estimation coach like they're going to be born again athletes lining up on the same start line and some are praying for a medal and everybody can't get a medal so how does that work in theology for you? How does it work is that you remind them of that famous scripture that all things, not some things, Mm -hmm. all things work together for our good. And so whether you get the goal, whether you acquire an injury Mm -hmm. and you don't compete at all, whether you fell short of the goal 
you got a bronze, you didn't place whatever the circumstances is. Yes. It is at that point in your life that whatever adversity or triumph you face, it is working all together for your good. That's the big picture. That's the big picture. And we have a big God. So yeah. because we have a big God, we take the big picture. Mm -hmm. And that's a biblical picture. Yeah. Coach Patrick Adderley, thank you for being in the studio this morning. I'd love to pray for you and, and for uh, the athletes in your care. Gracious God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for our dear brother who understands uh, who you are and applies the truth from your word into his own life as a coach and then has the influence over high-level athletes in this country in the area of track and field. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to develop these young people athletically, uh, but also, Lord, uh, with respect to character, with respect to uh, the persons that they are when no one's looking. And we pray that the Christian athletes uh, would share their faith and live their faith such that those that do not yet know the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior and life by faith would come to know him because to know him is life eternal. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning, Pastor Nicholas Rogers. How are you? I am doing good and good morning, listeners. We are going to talk this morning a bit about an exciting ministry we have at Calvary Bible Church on Tuesday nights, and it's called Awana. And tell the listeners what Awana stands for, the, the name. Awana stands for Approved Workmen and Are Not Ashamed. Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed. Yeah. And uh, what would be uh, one of the main core values of Awana? I think it has to do with the scriptures. Uh, yes, it is a scripture memorization. Um, so it, so that they could hide God's word in their heart, that they may not sin against God. But let me just also say this, that, you know, some people may get turned off or scared about that. Um, but we, the focus is really that we see these kids come to know Christ as their Savior. Yes. And, um, you know, we also have a time of games at Awana, which is some of the most exciting times when you see the kids are jumping up and down, cheering on their um, teams, where we have Olympics every year. And we just have a great time at Awana. Yeah, we do. I, I can vouch for that. Uh, what are the ages of Awana clubbers? Awana starts at the age of five up to the age of 18. Five years old through 18. That's a wide range. Yes. And uh, they're divided into age-appropriate clubs. Yes. What's the typical Awana night comprised of? What are the parts? Uh, the, the four parts basically are the flag ceremony at the beginning. Um, and then we have groups that go into game time. They'll also go into council time, which is a time that the word um, is being taught to them, as well as scripture memory, which is handbook time, where they um, study God's word and they hide in their hearts. Um, so it helps them in the time of trouble that God brings verses back to their minds and hearts. For me, I was actually a clubber at one time, and I'm actually the commander of our Awana program here at Calvary Bible Church. But I remember being a clubber, and I could just remember those verses that I learned as a clubber more than even today because let's be honest as the mind gets older it gets harder to retain but Amen. as we as we see these kids come to know christ and we see them learning the scriptures they can easily retain them at such a young age yes some children are so quick to be able to do that and for other children it's quite a effort to memorize scripture but they persevere and they can do it it takes a lot of leaders to run a, a whole awana club doesn't it yeah it does we have about over 50 leaders 50 and i just want to say this um as you were just saying pastor Eli, about 
you, you may have a kid and they may not be able to read um, that well. Um, and what our, what our leaders do, they'll go through the verses with them so they could really learn the verses, even if they have a tough time reading, um, just so they could get God's word in their hearts. That's wonderful. I know firsthand of some clubbers that have that uh, struggle, and I know some of our leaders just work with them one-to-one, basically, yes. th- through the club year, which is really, really good. Um, so tell me a bit about um, the Olympics. You mentioned the Olympics. What is that? Hmm. The Olympics. The Olympics are the time where we just have a great time of um, fun, um, games, um, competition. Um, you know, it, it's a time to teach teamwork as well. Um, you know, just like I mean, think of anything in the Christian walk, it's all about being on the same team. Yes. If one person doesn't do their job, the whole team suffers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like in our WANA program, when we think of the Olympics, um, you know, if one person drops a baton, the team is you know, disqualified. You know, these are the things that we need to understand. And that is, you know, a game of the fun. It's a discipline, learning how to work as a team. And I think that goes even from, as we think of Olympics, we could even think of the club on a regular basis. It goes from the leaders straight down to the clubbers, that we all must work together as a team. Right, and I, I know that the uh, leaders really love the children. They really care about the children, and I think there's even um, sometimes uh, some sandwiches are giving out, given out. Every week, we provide at least a sandwich at no charge for mm. our kids, mm. um, and and it's just a, a time for our kids. Um, you know that you don't have to worry about it. Like I said, it's not like a full meal, but it is a sandwich that they they could have and. You know, so, you know, they don't have to worry about what they're going to eat before they come. We do give them a sandwich before they leave. That's that's so great. And I know a lot of that comes from the leader's own uh, donations, which is very nice. Um, I had a touching sight this past Awana year, uh, Pastor Nicholas. I was at my desk about an hour before Awana started that particular Tuesday night. And I was working and I saw, I heard something in the parking lot and I looked out my window and there were about five young children seated on the Awana color circle on our parking lot outside the church auditorium. And they were singing. They were singing Awana songs about Jesus. And I thought how precious that was that they were doing that, that they knew the songs and how to sing them. And they were just sitting quietly cross-legged in that circle, enjoying that time uh, well ahead of the club starting, which told me a lot that they were really eager to get in and to be part of the club that particular night. Yeah. And when you you said the time, you know, Wanda starts on Tuesday nights at six o'clock. So that would have been five o'clock that clubbers already are here. Yes. Um, Just looking for love, looking for care. Um, and that is what our leaders, they do. They show care and love to these clubbers. And um, we, we have clubbers from all walks of life. Sure. Um, you know, those who are church kids, um, straight to those who have probably never been in a church store. Yes. In our area where we are located, a lot of our kids come from the Mason Edition or, you know, from Centerville Primary School and Columbus Primary. But we also, like I said, we have from all walks of life. Yes. Um, If a parent or guardian was listening this morning and said, that sounds pretty good, how would I get more information? Um, You can get more information by um, calling our church office. Uh, The number is 326-0800. And the date that Awana is going to be starting is on September the 13th at 6 p.m. And you can come that day to register your kids for Awana. There's no charge, but you can come that day to register your kids. Excellent. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary. 
a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.